and welcome to Way Too Twog's Bagpipe and History Podcast, where I, your host Jeremy, explores the possible repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers. Come and let's enjoy some tunes. Yeah, so last episode I mentioned I released it while I was in Connecticut, so I had kind of preloaded it and let it loose while I was busy having the time of my life, and I was pretty anxious and nervous about the whole affair, and I, I want to just talk about it quick. It's already, like, fading. I was talking with John Charles, he was there too, about how there's, like, this post-Piper's Gathering high and then crash of, like, it's the best time I've ever had in my life in regards to, like, bagpiping, and then... There's like this buzz going on for a week, and then John Charles and I both kind of had to really buckle down and get back to work, and then you're sort of angry that you're doing anything other than bagpiping, and then you're sort of like, oh, why am I playing music at all if there's not, you know, 100, like, what is it, 100 maybe? Over 100 people that also play bagpipes and care about it to to, to commiserate with and to, to hang out with? It was a really interesting experience, and I just want to capture some of my thoughts about it while they're still somewhat fresh, because I, I can already feel them fading. Um but all of these are like a lot of stories, and I hate to go too long into an episode without playing a tune. So we're going to start with a tune that I've played on the podcast before, and people might be really familiar with it. It's a tune called St. Mary's Hornpipe, but I have for a while now been trying to remember what in the world it was called. And so it was actually on uh, Roly Poly, uh, my, my most recent album. It was on that album for uh, like a, a week or two, I guess for maybe two weeks, not quite two weeks, as Robin's Roly-Poly, because I couldn't find the name of this tune. I couldn't figure out what it was. And they looked everywhere, and I was posting clips of me playing it every every couple of months for, for basically the last year. I would like post, like, what is this tune called? What is this tune called? And nobody could remember, so I was like, okay, fine, I'm just claiming it. It's a, I've, I've played it beyond recognition anyway. We'll call it my own tune. We'll name it Robin's Roly-Poly to go with Jackson's Roly-Poly, which is the namesake for the album. And it'll be a nice little opening set. Um, and I'm really happy with the tune. Love the tune. It's an amazing tune. And I just had the amazing experience of somebody finally telling me, like, hey, I know what that tune is, and it's mine. Which I think has happened to a lot of people, especially Pipers, who think they've written a new tune. And, like, in my defense, I didn't think I wrote a new tune. I just couldn't figure out what it was. And it was really great, though, because, like, the way... Like it's a tune written by one of my piping heroes, right? Ian Gelston, who's been on the the podcast a bit in the past. I play through his books every once in a while, and just love his SoundCloud page. Um, anyway, so yeah, Ian is kindly uh, considering writing a review for the album, and just sent me a really nice message saying like, "Hey, enjoying the album so far." Uh, I just think you should know though that your tune, Robin's Early Poly, is actually my St. Mary's Hornpipe, so you might want to fix that. And thankfully, I haven't printed any hard copies of Roly Poly yet, so I absolutely could fix it, and I'm just so relieved to know what that melody is, and it, like, tickles me pink. I'm, I'm really pleased, actually, to have inadvertently launched this album with an Ian Gelston tune. The the irony here, you know, there's, there's a couple tracks on the album, like, Roly Poly really is a G border pipe album, um, and so I, I played a couple of tracks from people who really turned me on to John Swain pipes, um, and the reason that I got G pipes was Ian, right? Like Ian Gelston plays G border pipes or, or you know, G half long pipes or, or whatever. And I was like, okay, I got to get a set of those. I love the sound of his pipes so much. Anyway, it's just sort of funny to me that um, 
on the album, I play St. Mary's Hornpipe on harp and on Ellen Pipes. I think on Ellen Pipes? Just whistles. Whistles and harp. Um, so there's no G pipes in it at all. I play it in a different different key. <laughs> so it's like, here's this Ian Gelston tune. Basically, the reason I have G pipes, and then I played his tune not on G pipes for the album. But uh, anyway, here is St. Mary's Hornpipe. I'm going to play it through once, which is fairly close to how Ian wrote it on G pipes, and then I'll play it a little bit closer to kind of how I wind up playing it. Our first parts are identical, like I play them exactly the same way. I think I had one lead-in note at some point. Uh, the B parts start to wander a little bit, but it's still very clearly Ian's lovely tune of St. Mary's Hornpipe. It's in, um, it's in his first tune book. Yeah, The New Shields Garland, a collection of the newest tunes for Northumbrian bagpipes and other instruments. It's a, it's a stellar book. Uh, his second book is explicitly for border pipes, and it kind of throws Highland Pipers that are playing border pipes for a loop because it's it's got that G scale as kind of the, the standard. Um, so there's a lead-in low F note that uh, has has confounded many a Highland Piper churned Lowland Piper. Man, there's going to be a whole... Whenever I get to this John Bell episode, there's a whole discussion about this that I'm planning to have. Um, anyway, but New Shields Garland, I did a, a playthrough of the of several tunes from that book uh, a couple seasons back. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes maybe if you want to hear more of Ian's tunes. Anyway, without further ado, I said I didn't want to talk too much before playing tunes, and we're almost six minutes in. So here is St. Mary's Hornpipe, uh, and then my kind of variation of it on John Swain G. Border Pipes. Yeah, lovely tune. Thanks, Ian, for the tune and for not uh, yelling at me to change the first track of the album. I just, uh, yeah, love that tune so much. All right, so, Piper's Gathering. Litchfield, Connecticut. I've never been to New England. I was so delighted to go there, but it's sort of difficult to get to New England from North Dakota in terms of flights. And partially this is because um, my little airport here 
only has three flights in and out, uh, or three flights a day now. Um, so it, it makes sense. It's sort of funny. Our airport is where like university of North Dakota trains, I think the majority of the nation's pilots. So like our, the main thing that our university teaches is aviation. Like that's what we're known for is aviation students. And so there are constantly flights, uh, going, coming and going and kind of landing there. Um, like there's just a, a fleet of Cessnas and other kind of small craft. So that students can get their, their time in the sky. So it's, it's sort of a fun, I always feel a little comfortable landing at Grand Forks. Cause like, you know, that there's like an 80% chance that, um, that your pilot, if they didn't learn in the air force learned how to land at this airport over and over again. So like any weather that you're having in North Dakota, they've already dealt with probably a dozen times to get their hours in the sky, um, kind of taken care of anyway, but like commercial airlines, we only have Delta flights and it's only three a day. And so it means getting someplace can be kind of tricky. So my options for getting to Connecticut, uh, flying out of Grand Forks were sort of rough, and it meant that I landed at 11.59 p.m., or, or, like, just just before midnight, anyway, in Hartford, and uh, so I knew I had to, like, go in the day before, and I was hoping to, to get to the venue, but, like, I didn't, I didn't realize, like, Piper's Gathering doesn't really start till Friday. Like, all the board is there on Thursday getting set up, but nobody else is there, so I was, like, pestering people who were very kindly, like, offering to get me rides, but had kind of advised, yeah, you should probably stay just in Hartford that night and then we'll come get you tomorrow kind of thing. Um, but yeah, John Charles was also kind of in a similar boat of like awkward flight times. And so he was going to get in kind of late, uh, and was also trying to like, we were trying to figure out if we should just rent a car or what. Um, John Charles, like me, didn't want to miss out on like a session. So he was also thinking like, man, I'd, I'd kind of like to get there as soon as I get there to play tunes. And then, uh, we finally realized like, oh, there's no Piper's gathering happening Thursday night, except for the board. Uh, and the board people I was talking to were like, you could come, I think we could figure out how to get your room, but yeah, it's just the board kind of meeting. So no midnight sessions going on probably, uh, on Thursday night. I'll have to ask Rod if there was a secret midnight session of board members only. Um, anyway, so the day before the trip, John Charles and I realized like, oh, we both kind of need to get a hotel room. And I had already booked one kind of sorta. And so I was like, well, John Charles, just stay with me, man. It's going to be fine. And so then I kept on trying to call my hotel to like, get it, get it set up so he could get in before me and, and get the room and stuff. And they just kept not picking up the phone. And so I called the corporate office. They're like, Hey, can you help me with this? And they're like, yeah, I just called this number. I'm like, that's the number I'm calling. They're not picking up the phone. And it was just sort of the stressful ordeal. I felt bad for like inflicting it on John Charles. I'm like, I can't figure out what's going on. So eventually he booked a room like through a, a third party vendor at the hotel and I was just like baffled about how this was going to work. And finally, as, as he or I were in like a layover at some point, I was like, dude, I don't know. I think there's maybe a 70% chance that the hotel burned down and John Charles showed up and literally there was a fire that knocked out the communication. <laughs> so like there, it, it didn't burn down, but something burned down in the area that meant that we couldn't call or use the internet. And when I checked in after midnight, um, there wasn't any, like there wasn't any, um, there still wasn't any internet. Like they had been told that the internet and everything was going to be back online for hours, like all that day. They're like, Oh yeah, anytime it's going to get back on. But anyway, it was sort of wild. Um, and then we kind of had a, a ride. We were going to catch a ride with Rebecca, uh, who's like just so instrumental in getting me to Piper's gathering. She's on the board and a uh, lovely Piper and just lovely to kind of meet in person and, and share tunes. But like Rebecca was going to pick us up kind of awkwardly early, uh, so we could go, 
because uh, because we were going to get booted out of the hotel, and then I was going to make Rebecca like tour guide us around, and then we were going to pick up Cassandra, uh, who was there to teach Gaida. It was just lovely to meet her too. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. We're going to road trip around, but I was really anxious about like, well, I kind of want to finish my presentation and get things set up, and then it worked anyway. It just all like all the stuff worked out to the point where we found another ride. And so I told Rebecca, like, never mind, we, we found another ride that's going to get us there sooner. And then that ride fell through. It was just like such a cacophony. And I hadn't met Rebecca yet. Like now I've met Rebecca and I would totally be like, yeah, never mind. I need you to come pick me up, actually. But at the time I was just nervous and full of nerves and anxieties about the trip. And um, anyway, it was it was a weird experience. And finally, uh, we wound up calling on on Benjamin uh, Elzerman, who's been on the podcast before. He, he submitted a, a lovely tune on his 3D printed um, drones for the uh, 50,000 download special. And I realized that he lived kind of near where we were. So I was like, hey, uh, can you can you pick us up? And um, so yeah, he picked, he scooped John Charles and I up on the way over and we just had a lovely time. But it was sort of fun. Like I got to walk around, um, the, the suburb of Hartford where the airport is a little bit. And, um, I was like, I don't know, I wanted to have some whiskey, uh, to kind of drink. And I wanted to have some tobacco. Cause I just, you know, the way that my paranoid atheism works is like, you know, I'd like to still be able to offer some tobacco, even if I'm not a hundred percent sure that a Bigfoot's going to eat me or that kind of thing. Um, it was sort of wild. I went to the, the tobacco shop across the street from the, the hotel and he didn't card me. He just asked me how old I, I was, which is sort of brutal. Like I'm somehow it's better when you say like, oh yeah, uh, the birthday is 1980, whatever. But just like, how old are you? Like oh, 39, sir. It just felt so, felt so decrepit. But then it was solved. I met up with John Charles and we went to a liquor store and when she carded me, she was shocked that I was over 30. So I was like, okay, you, you clearly know what you're supposed to say here to make people uh, make people feel good. But anyway, this is a, a nannering on story about the ordeal. It's just so funny that I was like, I think there's a good chance that the hotel's burned down. And uh, John Charles is like, yeah, not not exactly. But yes, there was a fire involved. Uh, anyway, we finally got to, the, got to the venue. And I just, again, I had no realization of just how mountainous Connecticut was. So it was really neat to kind of be in the Northern Appalachian mountains. Um, beautiful country. I was not expecting kudzu. I think they have a different name for kudzu up there, but like that creeping uh, Japanese vine that has sort of taken over the South has also taken over the mountains of Connecticut, which is beautiful, but also an invasive species. Um, so it was sort of uh, familiar feeling territory as much as it was, it was different, but uh, anyway, so we, we got to the venue, kind of checked in, introduced ourselves around. Uh, I went and checked out the spot that I was going to be giving my presentation and then realized I had some time. And I was like, well, I guess we should just start a session. And uh, so it was really neat. Benjamin uh, Elzerman and John Charles and I kind of sat down with our small pipes and started playing tunes and just having a good old time. And Benjamin, uh, you'll, you'll hear it on the clip here, but he's got this like, contrabass or this double, this wild 3D printed bass drone that was just really was one of my, the highlights of the weekend was hearing a session happening, even if I wasn't part of it, but hearing Benjamin's drone kick in, like just oof, that adds a layer of music, uh, and kind of feelings that I really enjoyed. But, uh, it was funny, like knowing people online and not really knowing their faces. Uh, so like we're, we're playing our, our thing. And I was thinking about getting out my border pipes, uh, cause Benjamin was interested in, in trying out the John Swain chanter. And I was going to get them out. And then this guy who I didn't know, like was on the phone pretty far away from us and then came and sat down right next to us on the phone. I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to get border pipes out now. And, um, 
it was just sort of this funny thing. Like, who is this guy that just sat down here? Like, it's such a weird, like, hostile move, it feels like, to to go sit close to the bagpipers and just dare them to play. And it was like a great experience of realizing, no, everyone here is a bagpiper. That guy knows what he's doing. I don't have to worry about offending him with bagpipe sounds. Um, and anyway, so that was, that was Robert Mitchell, who I wound up sharing a lot of tunes with all weekend. And it was kind of cool to get to know him. So uh, he wound up jumping on the session. And I think... That might be where this recording picks up. Um, so this is just a recording of Benjamin and I and John Charles uh, and maybe Robert Mitchell kind of playing some tunes on the porch at the Piper's Gathering. Mixes together 
Yeah, so that was Jenny Nettles and then uh, John Charles playing a set of tunes that he plays pretty regularly uh, that he got off Breacha, and me ruining it with jaw harp uh, as much as I possibly could. Um, yeah, you can hear Benjamin's contrabass or whatever that that bass drum kick in. It's so lovely. And this next track, uh, you can hear it too. I don't know. I never participated in a Scottish session, and this was, you know, at that point, it was just Benjamin, John, Charles, and I playing tunes. I don't know if that really qualifies as a session, but uh, it was it was neat. Uh, when I did finally join in with the the rest of like the big Scottish small pipe session, it was it was a blast, uh, and and felt very familiar and comfortable. And I didn't. I was afraid that I would know none of the tunes, but uh, in fact, I knew like all of the tunes. I think I think I knew all the tunes. It was a really great feeling. I spent a lot of time in Irish sessions not knowing the tunes because it isn't music that I like. I don't keep up to date with like what the current um, Irish traditional music scene is. But like so much of the small pipe session scene at Connecticut was like based on 
the stuff that I have been fixated on lately. Uh, lots of like 18th century and 19th century tunes and kind of Scottish songs set to music. And then also some hotshot tunes that are all the same hotshot pipers that I was obsessed with 20 years ago. So it was, uh, it was a really cool vibe. It was, it was really fun to play along. Um, anyway, but it, it was sort of fun to like always kind of struggle to like figure out the tune that we all know. And I'm realizing too, listening back to the discussion that this was Friday night. So I had already given my session, um, one of the reasons I was kind of eager to get to the venue quickly was so I could get the tech working and all that. Cause my session was right away. Uh, it was the second session, I guess. So like there's meet and greets and hi, and how does a bagpipe work if you're new? And then there was a sorting hat thing where everybody is supposed to go and the instructors are supposed to go and kind of figure out if people were like beginner, intermediate or advanced level. But right after that, they had half an hour to kind of everybody to get a sense of what classes they should attend. And then my session started. Um, and so I didn't go to the the sorting hat thing and I just got my session started, but I, like the session went a little late. Um, and so I didn't have a, a great turnout to my uh, presentation, but like the people that came are awesome. Um, Cassandra came, which was very sweet of her. I froze her nearly to death. Um, if you don't know Cassandra, she's like, uh, the, she's like the, the engineer behind international bagpipe day. Um, and just an amazing musician. And she's been at the Met on a, a fellowship, um, for the last year, kind of doing, uh, kind of revamping their, um, revamping their their bagpipe collection and kind of getting proper labels for Cassandra Balbar. Uh, I wasn't sure what her last name was, but, um, but yeah, she came to my, she came to my session and like when I went into where the session was going to be, it was so hot. Like the room was hot. There wasn't a ton of air conditioning at this place. The, the wisdom house where they, they hold this event, like some rooms are air conditioned, many weren't. And so I assumed that the room I was giving my presentation was just a non air conditioned room. Um, and I was sweating in there, like <laughs> just sort of dying. Um, and there were fans, but the fans weren't doing any bit of good. And then I finally saw that there was a air conditioner in the back. So I closed the windows, turned the air conditioner on and like pumped it. Cause it was like, my presentation was going to start in five minutes and I was going to be sweating bullets the whole time. So I turned it way the heck up. Um, and I was in the front of the room, like the opposite side of the air conditioner. And anyway, like I just, it, it finally started to like cool off. Um, and then Cassandra came in and like, as I was getting going, she's like, can we, can we turn the air conditioning? Not quite so cold. And it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Sorry. It's just, it was so hot in here. And so I went back and I adjusted it. So it wasn't going full blast anymore. And it would like quit running once the room got down to like 73 or something like that. But I didn't know how to use this air conditioner. And then, um, she had a shawl on and I gave the talk. And then finally in the front of the room, like probably 40 minutes through my talk, I had this like shivering cold and I was like, Oh my God, the whole room is a, is a refrigerator. And so I ran back and just turned the air conditioning off, but yeah, it was awkward. It was a, it was a unfortunate like first meeting with Cassandra of like, Hey, I've, you know, we've been friends online for a while and I really like your work and I nearly froze you to death at my presentation. Sorry about that. Um, and so it was weird. The, the presentation I think will probably wind up being an episode in the future of just me kind of talking through it. Um, I wrote it like the presentation was geared towards what I assumed there would be a lot of there. And there were, uh, which is, um, kind of Highland pipers that are dabbling in other music and like playing small pipes and playing other bagpipes. But I also went up against Nate Benton. So Nate Benton at the same time was giving a talk on, um, phase locking drones. And like, 
there was a lot of different bagpipes represented. The only thing that all, all bagpipers had in common that were at the Pipers Gathering that weekend were drones, right? So uh, it was a hard, it was hard competition to stand up next to it. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't want to like name people who came because I'm going to leave out some people. But like Rod Nevin and Rebecca Connor, who are both like board members and integral to getting me to that event and kind of making me feel welcome, came. And Mike McNitch, too, who just like came in clutch for me. He let me borrow a set of Illin pipes when I was out there so I could actually like attend the Illin pipe sessions and stuff and not have to fly with my set, which I'm eternally grateful for. Um, and then Cassandra, and then eventually Ian McCarg showed up too towards the end again, because everything was kind of running a little bit late. Um, so it was sort of funny, like the whole thrust of the, um, the whole thrust of my talk was like, I'm, I don't understand music theory and I think that's okay. And I think there's a happy medium where pipers can make really cool music if they kind of half understand musical theory, but really don't. And I wound up having basically, I, I think the most musical music theory trained people in the audience. So it was like this is maybe not the right audience for this. And I might've, if I was going to find somebody to irritate with my argument, it's the people that came to my talk, but they were, they were super cool. And, uh, I was, I was so glad to get the talk over with so I could just focus on the weekend. Um, cause I was so anxious, you know, um, in hindsight, I have like so many ideas of other presentations I'd love to give and kind of workshops and kind of teaching people tunes. But, um, anyway, that's all to say. I'm only setting this up because I mentioned this next clip of the session, this magical thing that happened. Like, remember, I've had the the Quiet Piper Small Pipes for all of, not even a week yet, right? Like four days, I think, by the time, um, by the time I was at Piper's Gathering. And so as I was playing, it just reminded me, like, I, I was playing through these tunes. Like, I, I began the presentation by playing through tunes that I thought people from multiple disciplines would recognize but have different tune names like in their head so i did battle of waterloo battle of waterloo is like bonaparte crossing the rhine bonaparte crossing the alps etc or the battle of waterloo right um so i played that tune to like get people to kind of okay what do you know this as and hoping that people would join in but nobody brought pipes um to my session and anyway i was in the middle playing battle of waterloo and all of a sudden um i think mike mcnitch who was sitting kind of next to me when i was giving the talk or somebody else people started singing along and the pipes were so new to me that like I was like, holy man, like, I know that Rob's pipes can be magical, but this is insane. Like, they're sing they're literally singing out loud. Um, anyway, so I, I related that story to, uh, to John Charles in the discussion here. And then we all play Battle of Waterloo. And at this point, I think kind of right before we started playing, uh, Robert Mitchell said, hey, can I join you? Which was exactly what we were hoping for. And, uh, and then I think he might jump in by the end of us playing Battle of Waterloo. Anyway, here it is, that first session.
was thinking about playing Eagles Whistle. Anybody got, anybody got Eagles oh, Whistle? Oh, yeah. That'd be I mean, that's one of those tunes that it's so the same thing over and over again, but like... Yeah, I don't know. There's something kind of lovely about uh, 
playing incorrectly together. You know, like you're just for for me. I'm sure I ruined that session um, often because I this is, I, I can't I can't play things the same way. I have a hard time with it. I always want to explore with it, but um, but yeah, just still making music, still holding on to those moments where everything's working together, exploring exploring harmonies on the fly like which is sort of i'm kind of bummed i really don't have a lot of recordings uh, as I'll, I'll talk about more in a second here but like this may be the, the best part of playing tunes with rod nevin all weekend is that dude can just zero in on a harmony and uh man it's just it was just really lovely so anyway this this first session like i'm nervous everybody's nervous we haven't really played tunes yet we don't know each other yet um terribly well so it's you know we're still a little bit out of sync and there's not a, a mass of people um and as much as I think I don't like, I don't particularly like listening to sessions, because, um, you know, like, it's just a bunch of people playing the same note, and it's such a different vibe to be in the session playing it, you know? So I, I really favored the Irish sessions um, most of the nights I was there, because I, you know, listening in on the Scottish one, I was like, eh, I don't really want to play that music. But then when you're in that sea of, like, 20 pipers all playing the same tune, oh, it's pretty good, man, it's pretty good. It's not enough to, like, make me want to run out and join a pipe band, but, like, it did make me think, maybe I should run out and join a pipe band. <laughs> like, just kind of miss that camaraderie of communal music making. So, anyway, apologize. Uh, my apologies to John Charles and Benjamin and Robert Mitchell, who are all, you know, much better pipers than uh, I captured uh, them having to, like, put up with me, play the incorrect notes and, and switch tempos and stuff. But we kind of love that organic, uh, that organic vibe. All right, well... Um, so yeah, I ran out of batteries. I, I had a very amateur move. I, I showed up at this thing and I bought a new SD card because the last time I had tried to record, I realized that my SD card was full and I had emptied it out somewhat and um, but decided just to get a new SD card. Got a new SD card. It didn't work. So my I basically had no space on my Zoom to record anything. And on top of that, my batteries, when I left minnesota or left grand forks they read as like one bar down from full and or maybe they even read as full when i first turned it on but i was like man these have been in there a long time and by the time i got to connecticut they were like dead so i recorded 20 minutes of us playing at the session and then my battery ran out and so that was all i had thankfully i wanted to record the sessions and kind of people playing tunes and benjamin wanted to record the teaching sessions um you know, which are arguably a better thing to record. And so Benjamin really kindly also had a Zoom there and had a like an exterior battery pack. So he lent me his battery pack so I could get some more recordings when I was there. But my big hope was to like interview some of the instructors and kind of record some chatty bits with people and all that just went out the window and was like, yeah, I'm too busy having fun. And also I came without enough equipment to actually do it correctly. So the first night, once I got, uh, I think the last juice that I had in the batteries was going through and like converting a bunch of wave files on my zoom recorder to mp3 so they take up less space and deleting old files so that i had enough to at least get some mp3 recordings which is what is for the rest of the weekend so i think what i'll show here one of my favorite parts of the sessions and favorite parts of piper's gathering is just like 
there's just constantly music around. Um, and on Saturday night, I made a conscious effort. I got a hold of Benjamin's battery pack and I walked around and recorded the different sessions. So this is just sort of a Foley recording of me walking through Piper's Gathering. And there was sort of an impromptu French session going on with Hurdy Gurdy. And I apologize because, again, the recording I have of them getting started is not great. Like it's one person kind of trying to tune something, I think. Um, they sounded really good later. I'll, I'll show you a recording of that. And then kind of walk through the Scottish Small Pipers uh, session, which is unlike the next building over. And then across the hall from that, there's an Irish session. And then up the stairs and down at the other end of the building, there's a Northumbrian Small Pipe session going on. Um, and it was just so amazing to kind of wander the halls and feel all this music. So uh, that's, what I'll, that's what I'll play for you now.
so fun yeah i was uh yeah so that's robert mitchell complimenting my outfit there oh uh, which yeah speaks to we went from like don't know each other to him thinking i was somebody else to uh yeah he felt comfortable making fun of my very make funnable clothing i was wearing uh i've been wearing these plaid uh shorts all summer um like they're tartan shorts i just think of them as tartan shorts but i'm pretty sure they're actually boxer shorts uh at least that's how they were gifted to me like that was the intention that they would be boxers and i'm like no i'm gonna wear some plaid shorts i'm not worried about it um but then i've also been rocking this sort of like hawaiian shirt on top of it and i think i had a kind of colorful shirt on so yeah anyway i very much did have uh, uh an interesting fashion choice going on um i think that was john charles and patrick hutchinson duetting uh in the irish session room too um john charles was just rocking the flute that weekend like doing small piping and flute playing i don't think he brought his ellen pipes he didn't bring his swedish pipes should have yelled at him to bring his swedish pipes more but um anyway and then there was just lots of stellar music going on i kind of feel bad for kind of lingering some places and going fast and others so um yeah, we're going to we're going to run out of time to do everything I wanted to. So I'm going to play you another kind of walkthrough. Like I said, that French session got really good uh very fast. It just I I initially recorded in like an off moment when they were getting set up still. Uh so I'm going to add another little bit of me recording the French session and then I kind of walk in and join the Scottish small pipe session next door. The you know, there are people playing the French session with John Swain border pipes like with my pipes and G and I I should have hung out more. Mike McNich was in there with his corn moose and uh, Cassandra was there. And there's a guy named John there playing hurdy gurdy, but he also had a John Swain um, border like student set like I do. Um, and then there was somebody else. I think Thomas, uh, Thomas might've been playing a French set of pipes too. Um, anyway, it was a small, it was a small group, but man, they were making some good, good music. I just didn't know any of it. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I am not literate in that vocabulary. The other thing that's, or that, that, uh, that genre of music, the other cool thing right at the end there, you hear Rebecca kind of talking about the different pipes and, and I feel bad. Nan, Nan, I think is the name of the woman who was like selling, they were selling their collection of pipes. Um, and so it was amazing to like see a bunch of different Julian Goodacre pipes and a bunch of pipes that I had kind of fantasized about, um, playing for years. Like there was a couple of Bulgarian pipes there. I've always wanted to get like a Bulgarian or Croatian bank pipe. Um, and there was a Zambonia there and, uh, yeah, I, so I got, to, I got to try all those things and thankfully they hadn't been played in a while and nobody was there to really show me how to do it. And so it didn't go well enough for me to feel like I should buy it. Um, but they were super affordable too. Like I'm still kind of kicking myself. I had absolutely no space for more bagpipes, but I feel pretty dumb for not picking up, uh, like a dream bagpipe of mine for under a thousand dollars while I was there and could see it in person. Uh, I also got a chance to play a pastoral set of pipes that, um, I think it's a Brian McCandless set. Brian, uh, Mike McNich brought his pastoral set of pipes, um, which is again, an instrument I always feel like I should have. And because of the historic piping thing, but in the back of my head, I've always been like, I don't know that I really like them is the thing. And 
playing that set kind of affirmed that for me. Like, yeah, I guess I could, I could find a way to like get into them. But at this point, like they're not, I don't really like the sound of them. I haven't heard a set of pastoral pipes. I was like, oh yeah, that's my jam. Um, but I honestly, I felt that way about border pipes before I got a set and played them so often though. So I'm sure I would warm up to pastoral pipes, but they're also expensive and just as finicky as an inland pipe. So like maybe I'll <laughs> like my debate, I'm on John Swain's wait list right now. And my debate is, do I get a low D, low C set of border pipes, or do I get a pastoral pipe? And when he, he mentioned that the pastoral chanter uses a pla uh, a cane reed, and the other one uses plastic, I was like, well, that's sort of a deal breaker for me. I think I want to have more bagpipes that are stable. I don't want to add another cane reed to my life, especially for like a double octave instrument. That's just, uh, you're, you're begging for trouble, and I don't know how to make reeds enough to like adjust to do that, you know? Anyway, here's another batch of me uh, walking from the French session and then joining the Scottish small pipe session. And you can hear the French group really shine. Closer, I can't. Yeah, 
It's so funny. I uh, I didn't think I was going to have enough material to do an episode because, like I said, I felt like a total amateur. I forgot to bring spare batteries, didn't check that the uh, SD card worked before going. I don't really understand why the SD card doesn't work in my Zoom. And the Zoom troubleshooting said, yeah, just sometimes it doesn't work. Just turn your Zoom on and off 20 times and it sometimes will work. Like, so here I am sitting with a Zoom on its last leg of battery trying to get it to program the SD card. It was just a nightmare. Um, yeah. So anyway, thanks again to Benjamin Elzerman for not only like giving me a ride to and from the airport or from and to the airport, uh, but also lending me his external battery pack uh, so I could get any recordings. And then also having that awesome 3D printed bass just contribute so much tone and volume and sound to the sessions. I thought I was going to get a chance to like play a couple tunes that I learned in the classes, but you know we're, we're out of time here, so I'm going to go out with uh, another set of tunes from that when I sat in with the Scottish Small Pipe session. I didn't record any of me playing with the Irish session uh, that was going on, uh, again, because of, of no recording, but I had an amazing weekend of feeling... Wow, just feeling so loved and like I am an okay Alan Piper. <laughs> like I'm, I was sort of assuming that I was going to show up and be immediately uh, identified as somebody that hadn't taken a lesson and shouldn't play the instrument or something like that. And the absolute opposite happened. And same thing with the small pipes. Like everybody was so welcoming and oh, it's just such a good, such a good experience. I can't can't really wait to go back. And I hope I, I really want to do more of these things. Um, yeah, it's just, it's hard to get out there. <laughs> but like, if you're listening to this and you're on the fence and like, you're like, oh, I want to get out to Connecticut, but it's sort of rough. They have scholarships. The reason I was able to go was there's a scholarship you can apply for to kind of offset the registration of the event. You still have to like cover your own room and board and getting there, obviously. But that little bit really helped. And it really helped kind of seal the deal for me. I was debating like, do I want to go to Piper's Gathering or Spanish Peaks or... Um, some of the other ones, uh, like Cargis or something, and, like, Piper's Gathering was maybe the most on my radar because of the the diversity of bagpipes that are there, and some of the instructors that have been in there in the past just kind of blew me away. Um, and then Rebecca was like, hey, there's a scholarship. You should apply for it. We'd like you to come. And I did that, and they gave it to me, and it was amazing. It was just absolutely amazing. And they let me give a presentation, and, uh, So, yeah, go to the Piper's Gathering website, look at the application for those of us that don't live in new England. It is a little hard to get there, but it's definitely a thing that's going to be on my regular rotation of, uh, if not every year, every couple of years, finding a way to get out there. Um, just an amazing experience. And like y'all, this is just the sessions. There are so many more things to happen. Like I learned some amazing tunes, had some, you know, cool visits with, um, Patrick Hutchinson. I got to play so many different pipes. I played Nate Batten, uh, Ellen pipes. I played, uh, Bruce Childress, Ellen pipes. I played, uh, Nate Batten, small pipes. I got to see some EJ Jones, small pipes. I got to play another set of more border pipes that again, sounded lovely. And again, pinched up to high B and again, the person who owned them didn't realize that they could pinch up to high B or high C. So that's always, that has turned into my favorite new thing is to take uh, a set of uh, Hamish Moore or, or Finmore border pipes and show the person who has them that they pinch all the way up to high C, no problem. Um, it's just, it's, it's like a little gift to give to a piper to like, Hey, can I, can I try your instrument? Yeah, go for it. What? I can do that. Like, yeah, man, you've got, you've got notes. You got more notes you can play. Um, and then, uh, yeah, 
lovely camaraderie with everybody. I was kind of anxious and, and messaging with Ian McCarg beforehand. I was like, looking forward to meeting Ian. Uh, and I was like, I don't know, man, there's gonna be so many pipers there. He's like, you can just hang out with me and Mike. Don't worry about it. And then like, not only did I hang out with him and Mike a good bit, but then like, Ian also brought a set of Donald McDonald pipes and I haven't really posted about it. John Charles posted a, some photos of it and tagged me in it on social media. So you might've seen it, but like, I'm still like, not quite sure what to do with it. I have a recording of me playing it. Like Ian, it's not readed, you know, but it's a, it's a bagpipe from the 1820s. And like, I took the channer away. Ian was super chill. And I was just like, I'm just going to take the channer for, for a minute and record something with it. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. And so I've got myself playing it. Here's, here's what it sounds like. Just me kind of echoing along on the holes. My hope is ultimately to like dub, like to do a duet of me playing the chanter without a read and just recording those echo beats with a chanter with a another instrument going. But it's it's proven very difficult to match up me playing a couple tunes by memory without uh, a metronome and then match it with the pipes. So here's a here's a brief example of what I'm hoping to do. So that's that's me. I was so excited to like hold a chanter and a whole set of pipes as Arnold McDonald made all the sticks anyway. Like I've I've always loved the profile of those really early hammer top drones with the narrow shoulders and the and the mount. Everything is just so minimalist and perfect and beautiful and lovely and it was great to hold a Donald McDonald chanter and I wish I had another Highland pipe chanter next to it because it felt so squat it was it felt short and wide and it was like that's the other thing that's kind of challenging is to match what my fingers could do on playing a, an antique Donald McDonald chanter compared that to playing a, a modern you know a Rob Felsberg small pipe chanter it's like it's a really different finger layout and I'm yeah so I, I think ultimately I'm going to try to pair it with Highland pipes, like with me piping, but I also want that clickety-click sound to, like, resonate, so I'm, like, doing a duet with a Donald McDonald channel. It was wild. Just absolutely wild. There's, like, as a as a historian that has spent some time in the archives, like, I get that rush from feeling the real object, um, and, and looking through a journal and, like, finding little bits of like, I've read some fur trade journals where you'll notice, like, there's a bit of food, like, in the in the journal. And you know that it's been in an archive for, you know, a hundred years. So, like, that bit of food is from the fur trader who wrote it on, like, in the fur post. You know, it's, like, wild when that happens. Or, like, bits of tobacco or leaves or something. It, like, it, it gets me going. And then, like... To, to hold a chanter that Donald McDonald made and play the thing, it's it was incredible. Anyway, I'm getting off base because we're not going to talk about this time. It just feels weird. I've been like quiet about this thing that happened because I don't know what to say about it. It feels like a very important moment in my life, thanks to Ian McCarg like bringing this this set of pipes. Um, and I like feel like I want to get it right. And like honestly, this episode too, that's sort of been the rub. Like I'm recording this. It's now. It's already two hours later than these episodes normally come out. And I just want to do justice to how incredible Piper's Gathering was and, like, how welcomed I felt and how incredibly supportive that environment of a bunch of bagpipers just, like, all sharing music 
talking stories and showing off their pipes and talking about their dreams and wishes and music and attending concerts from some amazing pipers that were instructing and then everybody having a chance to perform at the cabaret who wanted to on the last night of the event and like sessions going to 1 or 2 a.m. Like I closed on the sessions every night and it was well after midnight. Uh, I, like I said, I think around 1 or 2 a.m. often is when we kind of quit with sessions and there wasn't a lot of people still up at one or 2 AM, but it was, you know, it wasn't nobody like it was me and generally two to three other people, you know, (laughs) I'm sure we kept some people from sleeping, but like, it was just, it was just so incredible. And then getting to hang out with John Charles too. And I felt weird. Like, you know, I've hung out with John Charles once and obviously we're like very good friends and spent a lot of time talking to each other online. And I was trying to like, I was definitely overpeopled sometimes. So like at lunch, I would disappear and, and go and eat in the woods sometimes. Um, but I also was like, oh man, if I'm not careful, John Charles and I are just only going to hang out. So I'm going to, I'm going to avoid him sometimes. So like he meets other people and I meet other people. Um, and I think it worked out and it was just so nice to always have like a home base to come back to. Uh, and then Benjamin too, like Benjamin, I knew vaguely from the podcast and, and chatting, but like didn't really know him and, like having that ride in and out like was really helpful for like okay I've got a couple home bases I can constantly return to uh and and John Charles and Benjamin and uh there's also plenty of I can just duck out to the woods <laughs> um anyway lots more happened at Piper's Gathering it's an amazing time I'll I'll link to the website and the uh, the scholarship information for next year uh, we're gonna go out with some more session tunes this is uh yeah, just some more kind of lovely banter and playing tunes. I think this is Brays of Melanish uh, with those Scottish Small Pipe sessions on Saturday night. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll see you in a couple of weeks. I'm not sure if it'll be John Bell or another Piper's Gathering episode. Who knows? I already recorded like a bunch of tunes to do a different type of Piper's Gathering episode. So uh, we've we've got options. So anyway, hope everybody's doing well. We'll talk to you later. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash way too I've had a couple new joiners lately. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, sorry for uh, your joining kind of right as I am frantically getting getting ready for school and teaching. I just finished my first week back, uh, today as I'm recording this and it was, uh, it's been, it's been good. It's been very good. Uh, anyway, so way to talk or patreon.com slash way to talk. If you want to check out the Patreon feed, uh, I post bonus episodes occasionally. I often post just music only episode versions of the, the episodes and I'll often include tune books too. So that's what you can get over there. Um, yeah, once again, yeah. <laughs> Piper's Gathering has been wild. It's just my summer. It's been amazing for like generosity and getting to meet other Pipers and play other instruments and then to like cap it off with being gifted a set of Rob Felsberg small pipes and attending the Piper's Gathering. has It's been a very bagpipey summer and I hope y'all have had a very bagpipey summer too. Here's Braze of Melanish from the Scottish Session, uh, Scottish Small Pipe Session at Piper's Gathering. I just got to I'd like to give it a try. Robert, you just made my 
recording. So I, I walked, there was, they were playing French Pipes in there, and I walked through here, and they were playing Small Pipes. Justin on Pipes Pharmacy's got the Northumbrian Small Pipes. And when I came back through, you said, you look like a fashion icon, Jeremy. And it's like, this is perfect. So, like, if you don't mind, that is going on the podcast. This is the perfect example. It's easier than you'd think, but also a pain in the ass.
Soul Food. That was best you get. Brilliant.